This is Dr. David Pomeroy, your host on ADHD Focus. I wanted to remind you that the show is not intended to be a recommendation for diagnosis or treatment of any condition for any specific person. Please consult your mental health professional or doctor managing your ADHD or mental health issues about any diagnosis or treatment-related information that you hear on the show. Refer your ADHD provider to the show if he or she would like more information. Today, I've got a great show with a patient who's agreed to talk with us about what it's been like. Alex uh, came to see me about a year ago to confirm a childhood diagnosis uh, that uh, she'd not been treated for, and they decided it's time to check it out more. So we're going to talk about life before diagnosis, what it was like to go through the diagnosis process, and what they realized about how this fit into their life, and then life after starting treatment for it. So Alex, welcome to the show, and thanks for being here. Thank you, Dr. Pomeroy. I'm actually really excited to be here because I think my journey is not unusual, and I hope that people hearing this will get some good information. Well, thanks. So um, tell me what it was like before your diagnosis or maybe this second time. What wasn't, what wasn't working? Well, what wasn't working was everything. Just a, a little bit of history on that. I'm in my early 50s, and I grew up, and I actually have a relationship with my third and fourth grade teacher. We're still friendly. And she reminds me that everyone told my mother, this child has ADD, this child needs medication, this child needs some special help. And through the whole thing, my mother, as was not uncommon at the time, said, you know, no child of mine needs to be put on speed um, and just shut down the conversation, which meant that I spent a lot of time from childhood through college just in tears a lot because I had to hold everything to the last minute or I, I mean, I wouldn't do anything. I remember being up at four in the morning starting research papers that were due at, you know, 11 a.m. And I don't mean like little, you know, book reports. I'm talking about like full-on papers for my, for college, even my master's degree. Um, Yeah. I mean, literally just having no sense of how to control time, uh, very low frustration tolerance, very low self-image because people would tell me I was smart, but well, if I'm smart, why can't I even... My executive function is so poor that to remember to, you know, eat three meals, get dressed, and brush my teeth was sometimes more than I could handle. Uh I was bipolar. Uh, People were thinking I was on the autism spectrum. There was a lot of diagnoses being thrown at me. And because of the way I was brought up, it was like, well, no, I don't don't need medication. I'm fine. Mm -hmm. Uh, To the point where I lost another job yet another job because I couldn't keep my shit to see my language. I couldn't keep my stuff together enough to make deadlines. I would be fine. I would get everything done, but I was panicking mm-hmm. my boss and I would get into horrible moods and scream at them. So I, I lost them. 
a friend of mine referred me to, doc, to you, Dr. Pomeroy, uh, for evaluation. The evaluation process was fairly easy. You, you asked a bunch of questions. I think I filled out some things. I, I seem to remember there being a form, but I wasn't totally with it at that point. Uh-huh. The short version of what that brought to me now is I am, I'm a mental health therapist. I've been working very underpaid in, in a community mental health for, since I got my license. I'm now full-time self-employed therapist doing some teletherapy on my own and some through a platform, um, maintaining scrupulous business records, being able to make plans, save money. That's the one that surprised me. I'm saving money oh. for the first time in my entire life. Great. I haven't, I haven't overdrawn my checking account in a year. I can't express how much of a change that is in my life. Yeah. I, uh, unfortunately, I resonate with a lot of those things in terms of leaving papers to the last minute. I know at 4 o'clock I was still crossing out my things from my first draft and putting arrows that had to go mm-hmm. around the back of the page to another sentence and then trying to follow all that stuff while I was typing um, and that was back when it was a literal typewriter. Like, and no, I'm, I'm, I'm old too, remember? Um, yeah. Oh, yeah, my favorite was I found class notes that I've written. First of all, I'm a pack rat, so I save everything. But I found college notes from my undergraduate, which, remember, I graduated my undergraduate degree in 1991. 1990? 1991. 1990. Um, I found notes, like, class notes, like I was in lecture, taking notes on the back of an envelope. Mm-hmm. Just because I couldn't get it together enough to carry a notebook yep. from point A to point B. Yep. Well, I, if I had mine, I'm sure I might be able to read half of them. Um, oh, yeah, no. Oh, there's so also bad, ones that literally just listening. yeah. There's one I I have no, and I have I have all of my notebooks from the last thirty years because I am a pack rat. But I found. One notebook of a class that I was a 7 a.m. class that I went to after my graveyard shift job. Mm. And literally, all it is is like I've written lines, like scribbled up and down and up and up as if I had written something for pages and pages oh. of nothing. Got an A in the class. Well, um, and I think that's so uh, typical where. Those of us with ADHD will do very well on a test, um, and whether it's osmosis or um, the book gives us a chance to go back and reread different parts, and and uh, I found it helpful to study with someone and would so I could ask questions. What does this mean? When I was trying to figure out my notes, so we can do right. well on tests, but. Uh, you know, the quizzes and the little papers and or the big papers, those things um, didn't work well. And kids will have, uh, they don't turn in homework or they don't finish it, whatever, <laughs> and, but they get a 95 on a test. Uh, mm-hmm. may, may I show you why I have a lifelong, well, I'm dyscalculic on top of it. So I have a really hard time. Like if I look at a number, it may or may not be the actual number I'm looking at. But even aside from 
And I am smart. And that's the other thing. And I, Dr. Brownmore, I'm smarter than most teachers I've ever had. And I, I, I say that without, I'm not mm-hmm. being cocky. I'm just being real. Yeah. However, I have a passionate loathing for algebra. Why? Ah. Not because I couldn't learn it. I'm sure I could have learned it. The teacher I had in junior high school for Algebra 1, all the paper, first of all, you have to do your, your homework, like question one on the left, question two on the right, question three oh below, question it had to be in that format. And I would oh. just do it straight down because that's how I think. Yep. All of your notes or all the quizzes and homeworks have to be kept in a specific kind of folder in a specific order. Yeah, you can tell me right now how, how well you think that works for me. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it would be even worse. If you got to class and you didn't have a pencil and he caught you borrowing a pencil from someone and, oh, my God, if you did anything in pen, you were just sent to the principal's office. So if he caught you borrowing a pencil from someone, you got a zero for the day. It didn't matter what else was happening that day. Well, the so teacher do, had something other than ADD, but it certainly The teacher had teaching. an advanced case of sadism is what the teacher had. He was horrible. I will never forget that man. I mean, I can tell you his yeah. name right now. I'll never forget him. He was a horrible, horrible human being. And yeah, so I had a test. I would get an A on the test and get a zero on it because I had borrowed a pencil. Mm, yeah. And unfortunately, so, people tell me about teachers like that where uh, it has to be done a certain way. One poor guy, I think he was in sixth grade, was told uh, you need to be in listening posture. That is, looking at me, sitting up straight with your hands Mm -hmm. folded on the desk. Well, Mm -hmm. I don't know anybody with ADHD, even if... I don't know neurotypical people. ...an attentive one that can just... Especially 12-year-olds. And teachers don't understand that if we can move something, move our feet, move our hands, have a fidget toy, even whether it's... Mm -hmm writing we can listen better we can things register mm-hmm. better and if you just i mean to be honest i'm doodling right now while we're talking yeah well because i'm taking notes it's the only way i'm doodling too i mean i you, you should see i doodle my, my calendar my day calendar which is next to my desk so i can not miss appointments it's more doodles than than writing and yeah i had teachers you know oh my mom's second husband my stepfather he would be helping me with homework, like a stepfather might do. And he'd say, you know, what's, you know, three times five? And I'd pause, and I'd look up at the ceiling to, to collect the, the answer. And he, he would look at me, the answer's not written on the ceiling. You will look straight oh. at me and answer. Yeah, yeah, that's just, uh, and to be fair, people without ADHD don't understand how come our brains don't work the way theirs do. And, you know, just the idea of, okay, not everybody has blonde hair or brown hair. Not everybody needs glasses. Um, And it just doesn't occur to people, well, of course you can think the same. And, no, of course we can't. I think I shared with you a story that somebody on Twitter told me would it be all right if I share that again with your audience? Yeah, sure. Okay. This is a story of a, of a kid. I think we're talking like elementary school-aged kid. Mom comes in and says, make your bed. 
kid says, I can't. And she said, just make your bed. And comes in a half an hour later, the bed isn't made, the kid's playing video games, whatever. And she's like, you can concentrate on video games, you can concentrate on making your bed, which, first of all, you know is not true, but there you go. Yep. Um, ended up in a swimming fight. The kid was getting grounded. The kid was getting punished. Finally, the mom was like, you have five minutes to make this bed or you're not something, something, you know, some big punishment. Kid, in a blind panic, crying and just at their wit's end, somehow makes their bed. Mom comes in five minutes later and says, see, that wasn't so hard. Yeah. Um, that's, that was my that was my life growing up as well. So when I heard that story, it resonated pretty hard. But man, Dr. Pomeroy, if you can convince one parent to let their kid get the medical help they need, it's it's, it's as much child abuse as if a kid was you know type one diabetes and the mom said no, you can't have insulin. Yeah, and yes, there's a lot of and you stigma around medications which. People don't understand. They equate it with speed and misunderstanding. Oh, amphetamines, those are addicting. Yeah, oh, yeah, right. can be for someone who doesn't have ADHD. But if but someone with ADHD takes too much, whether it's amphetamine or methylphenidate, with Adderall, Ritalin, whatever, they don't whatever. feel good. There's no incentive Not to keep going. Oh. oh my goodness. Well, you just the other thing. When I was 17 up through about my sophomore year of college, when I got convinced that it was bad, so I stopped, I was taking basically anybody's little brother was on Ad, um, Adderall or Ritalin. I was getting a couple pills here and a couple pills there, and I was taking speed. Oh, yes, I was a bad kid. Yeah. I would take and... you know, one pill, get through the day, and be like, well, yeah, I must be doing okay because I'm on drugs never occurred to me that, well, maybe, maybe I could get this prescribed and function every day. Yeah, exactly. It made me normal. Yeah, and people don't realize that, no, it doesn't give us a lot more energy and, and superpowers. It just brings us up to the level where everybody else is. Now, yeah. we can keep track of things and um, write in planners, though, not everybody gets the strategy part. I think they expect the medication to do it. So what, no, what I, things I, well, the I'm a mental health counselor. I know that no drug is going to fix everything. You've, you've got to add behavior change on top of it. But, Dr. Palmer, I very, very specifically think of you as, like, my, my, my sainted guardian angel because my, my life is said, I don't know how I would have gotten through the COVID lockdowns. Mm, without mm -hmm. because my executive function was so bad i probably would literally have not been here to have this conversation with you otherwise mm. so what things did did medication not i guess take care of what kinds of things did well, you have to do as far as behavior change oh a lot a lot um uh a lot of behavior change first of all well, just starting with pacing, like remembering what time of day. Like if I take one Adderall when I wake up, like it's 6.30, 7 o'clock in the morning, and then one like right around now, 11, 12, 
I'm fine. I've got the energy I get through my whole day, and I can still sleep at night. If I throw that schedule off by not taking one or taking it too late, then I have to, like, deal with how, what time am I going to go to bed? How am I going to sort that out? So that's a behavior mm-hmm. change. Going from – I used to be a, a list maker, and I would make lists and lists of what I had to do. Mm-hmm. That's, that's yep. nice. <laughs> Writing a list of things does not do anything for you. However, yeah, I get it done. a day planner on my left, a notebook on my right, and a whiteboard across from my desk. So I can literally, like, like today, 11 a.m. podcast, uh, Dr. Pomeroy, 3 p.m. karate test, uh, 4.15, call so-and-so. I mean, but I've got it on my calendar in ways that I can read it. Mm-hmm. And it's not, mm-hmm. I don't have an overwhelming to-do list of 500 things. I have four things that I have to get right. done today. And that's the, I think one of the keys is you can have a list and you know there are other things to do, other options, but yeah. you have three or four, and particularly if it's on a calendar um, that has big enough lines so you can write in it so you can tell what it is. Yep, uh, and, I think and that's exactly what I do. Other whiteboard, and um, so it's and having an organization that is simple for your workspace and not having papers all over yep. the place and things scribbled on uh, I don't have 27 post notes on my desk. I mean, I, I used to always have like 4,000 post it notes, and each one was some amazing thing I had to do right now. Yeah. Now I've got a couple post it notes to remind me of a phone call that I have to make because it's important. But basically, can I talk about money for a second, though? Because this is huge to me. Sure. Yeah, you mentioned you now have a savings account. and. Um, okay. Well, I've always been banked up. I've been working full-time since I was 16. So I've always had money coming in. I've never been able to control it. I mean, literally, as soon as it was in, it was gone. Bills would come due, and I would have to scrounge to find some money to, to pay them. And my bank account was always overdrawn. And I, and I had nothing to show for it. Okay, I now have hmm. my work bank account, my work checking account, my work savings account, in which I put 30% of my gross. Every week, I put 30% of whatever I've grossed that week for my taxes. I have a private checking account, private savings account. Both have reasonable balances. I just had a medical procedure that wasn't covered by my insurance that I had to take care of. It was $8,000. I walked in. I gave him my debit card. Well, the, the reception, my debit card. She ran it through her thing. And... And that was that. It, what, it didn't. It wasn't even a question of can I afford this. It was a question of, oh, do I want to put this on credit card and pay it over time, or do I want to take it all right. out right now? Yeah, that great. Was so never. Three years. There, there was a um, a switch that mm-hmm. whether it was I can do this or okay, I'm going to start these accounts now, and you were able to. Think of how you're going to organize it. Oh, yeah, I've got to put some away um, from each month or whatever mm-hmm. so that when the taxes come due, I've got something to say that. What was but, the, I mean, just being able to pay, Oh, well, I'm going to have to pay taxes. Maybe I should save that money aside. So that occurred to you as far as the planning part. So is the yeah, planning I can plan. ahead? I, can, I, I feel like I'm finally an adult. 
Mm -hmm. The definition of being adult is when you can fold a fitted sheet. Or being an adult is like folding a fitted sheet. Um, well, if, if I if I have to be able to fold a fitted sheet to be an adult, I'm not there yet. I ball it up and throw it in the back of the closet because... any of us are. But that's it. That's it. But look at this. I've started... I'm taking karate. I go to karate class. I practice my moves. I do my thing. I'm really okay that you start out as a white belt and you go through a progress to you get to the next step. I'm not frustrated. Like, why am I not perfect at this right now? Because uh -huh. I just started. Perfect when they just start. But it's an entirely different mindset. I don't have to be in a crisis to get something done. I just, oh, this needs to be done now. Is it perfect? No. Am I perfect? No. Do I have behavior issues I still need to work on? Yes. Mm -hmm. And you can but accept that. And partly you've had some success. So, you know, okay, I can figure this out. But I don't have to figure this one out right now. Because... Mm -hmm. I've got appointments today, and I can. Yep. And I mean, you know, I, I had this podcast on my schedule for today. There's a couple of things on my schedule today. I've got my clients working around that, and you know, in my free time, I'm trying to figure out how to get licensed in other states so I can work more. <laughs> you know. Yeah, and you can do televisits uh, in other other states. Let I can, the, but uh, I have license those states. Right. Right. Um, and I would have to do the same. There's some way to exchange licenses and, okay, you have it in one state, and that equals other states, but you still have to pay $100 a year for each of them. And I said, no, I'm not going to pay. Yeah, and, you know, and that's, that's as it is. You still have to pay for them all. But some states are much better about, you know, oh, yeah, you've had your license for six years. You can certainly have another, you know, another license. And some fish are like, no, we want you to take the test again. Yeah. I'm like, I took that test in 2015. I'm not taking it again. No, no. And that, I mean, that's, um, you, and you mentioned the not having to be in a crisis to get it done. And I, I think that's something that we learned so long ago that uh, I can put it off and see I still get it done and I do okay. And, yeah, in elementary school, Oftentimes you can. Some people with ADD can't even do that. But most of the time you can. And middle school, it gets tougher. College, it often doesn't work without being up all night and running the paper over to your class that you're 10 minutes late, but you finally got it done if you remember to bring all the pages. And that's definitely a brain connection thing because when there's more adrenaline going that completes the connections that dopamine can't do because with ADHD yeah. you don't have enough dopamine to carry the signal oh. where it needs to it's not yep. actually having not having enough dopamine you have plenty it just gets taken back up to where it started without uh, yeah. finishing it's, it's like the the serotonin for certain kinds of depression. It's like yep. uh, it's like the pancreatic insulin for a type 2 diabetic. It, it's there. It's just not getting used right. Yes, exactly. And that's the, that's the issue. So the consequence, I guess, or the good thing about not needing to be in crisis is then you can step back and have some patience to say, okay, 
I am going to be able to do this. It's worked on some things. Look, I've managed to figure out um, to have a day planner, and I know where it is, and a notebook, and I know where it is, and they're always right here on the desk. And I don't do anything else at this desk except this is where I work, so I'm in that right. mental headspace right. for it, which is mm -hmm. partly a COVID pandemic isolation uh, coping strategy is have one place to work, home is everywhere else. Um, you know, a lot of people during the pandemic, being a, a mental health therapist, I've run into this a lot, a lot of people who I'm pretty sure have have undiagnosed ADHD and I'm actually several who have gone and gotten tested subsequently and yes, in fact, have ADHD, um, who managed to kind of make it work by, you know, putting the ex external controls of when I go to the office, I can do X, Y, Z and hold it together for, you know, that seven hours. Mm -hmm. um, and, and sort of had that coping mechanism. All of a sudden, they're working from home and everything is very different. Mm -hmm. They're falling yeah. apart. I have more clients who, I used to be able to do so well at my job. Now I can't even, like, log on properly. I'm like, mm -hmm. Yeah, because... The metal space is, no, this is home. It's not work. Yeah. One, exactly. one of my patients, when this all started, said, okay, and he was someone who took the bus every day. He'd mm -hmm. get dressed. He would walk out to the bus stop at the usual time, stay there for as long uh, as it would take the bus to come, walk back home, read until the bus would have gotten him to work. Then he started work. So that, that's brilliant. Yeah, his way of making that's that transition brilliant. and just the the time which kept him kind of in the rhythm of his morning. And then he could get going. But just walking from one door into the next room, mm -hmm. that isn't enough transition what? in there. I also know a person who basically when they were, it was work time, put their shoes on. You know, they didn't generally wear shoes in the house, but when it was work time, they put shoes on to remember that that was work time. Yeah, there you go. Okay. Whatever, it whatever it takes to keep yep. the brain little in the things, right. Yeah, little things that are, are that mindset. Um, and those are the things that, for me, before medication, I'd wonder, where are those shoes? There was something I was going to do to... Remember, I'm supposed to work. Oh boy, now I'm five minutes late yeah, because that exactly. that habit and the the habit pattern and the routines, which work great, then you go on vacation or you go yep. away for a weekend. Now you come back and well, the routine wasn't there, and it takes a while to get back into that routine. But that definitely helps to have the the pattern, and I found that. I have to stop at the door before I leave in the morning and say, okay, watch, wallet, keys, phone, lunch. And if I do that, at least once a week, I find, oh, I didn't put my watch back on. Ah, I thought I'd put the phone in the pocket. No, it's over right. there. Mm -hmm. So that little mantra, uh, which has taken me for getting my phone a few times and wondering what I'm going to do for lunch, Mm -hmm. right. This really is important, and it gets into the into the pattern of what I do. Um, so I think you've found a lot of the strategies 
that help, and at the same time, you can find those and follow them because you're also taking medication, and you're able to keep things straight because you're getting sleep, you're getting some exercise, and that gives some more oh, structure. Oh, yeah. Oh, I didn't even say about sleep and exercise. I have never been a good sleeper. I'm still not I'm still not great at sleep, but I go to bed at a consistent time and wake up at a consistent time. Found myself without an alarm clock waking up at about the same time on weekends that I wake up during the week, which means mm-hmm. I'm not wasting Saturdays by sleeping till noon. Mm-hmm. Uh, exercise, I've ne- I'm never, well, I used to be a, a distance cyclist when I was a teenager, but since, and skiing, I used to ski all the time. But mm-hmm. as an adult adult, I let a lot of that slide. Now, I, as I said, I, I take karate twice a week. I practice in between. I walk. Um, I'd already started doing a lot of work on my weight prior to getting diagnosed and, and on medication. And I will say, I, I mean, I, I, to be blunt, Adderall did help because it limits your appetite, did help me get past that last little bit of weight that I was struggling with. Yep. But I mean, but that, I'm talking about that 10, 15 pounds of weight, not the 100 pounds that I'd already lost. So I really had yeah. been working on it. But to be, I'm five feet tall. Uh, in, 20, in February of 2018, I was 240 pounds. Oh, my goodness. I just think about what that must have looked like. I'm now 125 pounds. That takes a lot of discipline. That right there. was very hard. And I don't think I don't think I could have stuck with it over the course of being locked down in my house. I don't think I could have stuck with it without the routines of, you know, take my medication, mm-hmm. eat when I'm hungry, not randomly for fun, mm-hmm. and move. I mean, honestly, you want to lose weight, move your body more, and eat less. That's it. That's, that's it. That's the magic formula. Anything else yeah. is not going to work. And the yeah, and the eat less has a whole lot of different things that go into it. And there's a whole lot that goes that. You know, yeah. eat, eat, eat less McDonald's and more salad. Okay, fine. But even if you live on McDonald's, if you eat less and move more, you're going to lose weight. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's yeah. You don't biology. Two burgers, whatever. Well, I think that exactly. the other thing that uh, goes into what we've been talking about is we're able to keep a structure in the day, and the most challenging time for anybody with ADHD is unstructured time. Yeah, and you so, had a lot of that over the last 20 months. Yeah, and if you know, you're in lockdown, of, oh, okay, you know, I'll get to it, which is the famous last words of anyone with ADD, that, yeah, there's time today, I'll get to it. But you're home, and then you were going to do a project here, or, gee, I wonder if I can get to the next level in that game or whatever, and all of a sudden it's 4.30 and you haven't done anything. But when mm-hmm. there's, when it all fits together of, okay, now I've got a consistent bedtime and I'm going to get up and go for a walk and that structure of the day, then you, find you can get more done. And, gee, there's a benefit to it. There's a reward of doing this, and I'm going to make sure I can stop it. 10 o'clock, whatever I've been doing. And then I don't have my phone right next to the bed. Those kinds of things that um, 
help us get past the, the temptations of ADHD, mm-hmm. the, the automatic mm-hmm. fall into it um, issues that um, we struggle with, particularly when there's not a, a structure or a pattern. Um, exactly. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story. No worries. It's great to hear the uh, the progress you made, and I think um, people have probably had, as adults we may have more motivation to make sure it it works because we know what doesn't work way more than someone who's in tenth grade. Um, oh yeah, oh yeah. I, I mean, but if anybody listening to your podcast thinks maybe they need to go get tested, please do. It is life-changing. Also, the levels of misdiagnosis. I am fairly sure, I I am bipolar, I get that, but I am fairly sure that 90% of what was being diagnosed as, um, as bipolar symptoms was untreated ADD. Because once I got on Adderall, the mood things just leveled out in ways that bipolar meds never had worked. So. And so many people come in and they've taken so many medicines for anxiety or depression, mm-hmm. the ADD and the things that had triggered those things about feeling bad about yourself, they went away. They yep. don't need those medicines. I mean, some That's people right. both. Some people still do. I mean, I still need, I still need my lamictrogen, but, you know, that's okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, that's this has like been really, really neat, and I hope you got what you needed for this because this is this has been a neat conversation. Yep, I've enjoyed it a lot. Thank you for your time. And thank you. Stay tuned for our next show, which will be a combination of what Alex and I talked about and another guest, Aaron, who will be talking about his life transformation. So thank you for listening. We'll see you next time. Be well. Mm-hmm.